0: NordVPN.com slash Fightful. How about this? 30-day money-back guarantee. Four months free. Watch your favorite shows abroad, whether you're traveling or you're at home and you want to watch something from overseas. Access this on all of your devices, phone, laptop, desktop, PC, tablet, doesn't matter. Three great tiers. A pass, a locker, a VPN, or all three. Block annoying pop-up ads, block malware, Block online trackers. Keep your data safe. Browse anonymously. Browse securely with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Shield your data from snoops and criminals. You know I'm a snoop. I'm not a criminal, but I am a snoop. So unless you want me getting your scoops, get NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Secure all of your devices. Check it out. It's a great deal. How can you afford to miss this? You're going to end up saving money with NordVPN.com/fightful and having a better browsing experience.
2: Welcome to another edition of Grapsity Interviews. I'm Will Washington. You know that. You know Philip Lindsay. You know Righteous Reg. But the one person here that you've come to see that you know probably better than anybody, she is AEW wrestler extraordinaire, uh, recent signing, by the way, official yes. all elite. She is Miss Willow Nightingale.
3: Hello, everybody. That's me.
2: <laughs> so excited to have you here. We've um, we out on Grapsity have been big fans forever. Reg, uh, I think was the first one on this show, like just championing your name and talking about when we talked about who we saw as as the future righteous Reg. Here was like, it's Willow Nightingale. It's, it's it has to be. So I, I'm so glad we have you here.
3: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's
1: it's been a bunch of I told you So pretty much. (laughs) Every time you get a good victory, I'm like, yeah, I told you guys so. When the match with Trish this weekend, I'm like, yeah, I told you guys, like Trish and Willow are the ones. Whatever. Send my power, send my awards. send it all. No, but honestly, it's been a couple of years, Willow, like the first time, I mean, immediately when I saw you walk through a curtain, you just get the vibes. You get everything from Willow. The music you came out to, uh, To Be Real. like uh, the yeah. All the things were just, the elements were there. I could see it. And then you get in the ring and you don't wrestle like anybody else. You're powerful. You're charismatic. You're quick. You're all the things, all the elements needed to become one of the top women in any promotion. And that's what I was saying. Like, soon as someone gets Willow, it's going to be that time. And now you're here in AEW. We've come a great long way. We're so excited for your journey how has this year alone been? Like I said, coming into this podcast, I was just looking at your cage match and you are so busy. Like you work every weekend and all kinds of different promotions. Take us through how just this year for you has been.
3: Um, I think this has been probably the most eventful year right. that I've had in wrestling so far. Um, so like you said, I started kind of, very much independent, um, but feeling almost on the verge of being able to break through to AEW. So there's this real frustration I'm going through with being like, okay, I'm sitting in the front row, I'm watching all this stuff happening, but, like, for some reason, I know that I've got this thing, but they're not seeing that I have this thing. How do I make them recognize that, like, I need to be a part of their show? Um... And independent wrestling, uh, I've been doing it for, I guess, up to this point, almost eight years. Mm -hmm. So I uh, love it. It's part of my heart. I don't want to give that up now. So even through being signed and being featured on television, I still want to be able to do indies from time to time. And uh, I got to go to Japan. I don't know. It's just been crazy, like, thinking about it, (laughs) reflecting. Again, it's it's like December. So it's a big time for reflection. And uh, I've been thinking about how i felt so low on myself in terms of the way that these bigger companies were perceiving me and uh how i felt inside and how there was like a dissonance between those two and finally being able to kind of as corny as it sounds live my dream right
2: you know it's interesting and i've told this story before but i, I always want to make sure that um, these kind of fond stories are, are heard by the subject but um you there was one time Uh, This is one of my just favorite wrestling stories. One of my favorite things to do is expose people who don't watch wrestling to professional wrestling. Right. And so it was obviously April of 2021. I had gone down to Tampa to visit. Well, I was going for WrestleMania weekend, but I was also visiting a friend who I've known since high school and I didn't get to see her much. And so um, we had breakfast that morning. And then I was like, all right, you know, it was like a little half hour breakfast. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do some wrestling stuff. Um, And she's like, well, you know, I, I, I feel bad that I only got to catch you for half an hour. Um, Do you mind if I tag along with you? And she was like, I've never been to anything wrestling before. Never seen any wrestling. And I'm like, "Okay." Um, And so she's like, so what are we doing? I said, well, I'm actually going to catch a show um, that's at a thing called, uh, I guess we're calling it The Collective, but it was Alley Cat's real hot girl shit.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right.
2: And bring the story back around. The reason I tell you this story was because, again, this person, shout out Holly, had watched no wrestling in about 20 years at this point and even then had very little exposure to it. But she came away from your match with Brooke Valentine going, I don't know any of these people, I don't know any of this stuff, but that Willow Nightingale, she Mm -hmm. seems like it. She Just something about her pulled me in. And that was the moment it hit me. You know, I had seen it. I've been watching wrestling my whole life. I had seen it forever. But to see it through somebody else's eyes, that somebody who didn't watch any professional wrestling saw Willow Nightingale and said that she was the one that pulled me in, I thought that told me that the companies were missing out on something special by not having you there. Mm
3: -hmm. Thank you. Um, That's one of the big things that I've come to pride myself on. Like, you have no idea how many, like, people in the locker room have been, like, my mom, she doesn't really watch wrestling, but you're her favorite. <laughs> <And I'm>, like, <laughs> thank you. Or, like, oh, my wife loves you. Or, like, right. my kid, like, you helped get my kid into wrestling. And uh, I recognize that that's, like, a very unique quality. Um, and I think that has just come by being true to myself and being me. You know, I think when I started wrestling I didn't feel like I would fit into the mold of what a professional wrestler is um but I just couldn't be anything other than myself and it's really uh, been a strength of mine as opposed to a weakness which is what I thought it would be when I started
1: right that's what's up I mean it's Willow I know I mean no one's surprised <laughs> here <That's> okay. <laughs> okay so we talked a little bit uh I guess you said you were Kind of down on yourself starting the year, kind of like being in a position. I want you to kind of talk about weathering the storm because when you started in AEW, there were a lot of people online being like, why are they doing Willow like this? Why is she losing? So why is she losing quickly? Why is this? But that's kind of a, that's Brandy a Rhodes, one. we
2: talked about. Brandy
1: Rhodes. Right? Yeah, you lost to Brandy Rhodes in two minutes on Dark Elevation. So people yeah. have questions, but. AEW, I think the best AEW wrestlers have that kind of story. My big homie, Will Hobbs, lost to Orange Cassidy really quickly. Uh, This is how these kind of things happening. So how did you weather the storm to kind of be like, I know if I come, I know if I commit, I know if I'm me, eventually they'll see it. Because a lot of wrestlers get, I think they get down on themselves not even being on the show. And then something like that happens. They get even more down on themselves. How do you weather the storm to get to where you are
2: now?
3: I mean, I would love to say that it was my positive personality and that would really be great. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think I'm very fortunate in having a strong support system. Okay. So like um, my boyfriend is also a wrestler, Rex Lawless, and he's been wrestling for maybe like 12, 13 years. And, you know, he goes through those same things where he's like, well, that's an opportunity that didn't go the way I wanted it to, but I'm going to keep going. Um, So all these times when I'm like, man, I don't even want to go. Like, I don't see the point. Like, they're not, they're not budging. They're not, you know, giving me any more uh, opportunities to show who I am. He's like, you got to be on the bench to play, right? Like, if you're not there, nothing is ever going to happen. Right. But if you're there, at least there's the opportunity that, like, maybe something more could happen. Um, So especially when I was frustrated and getting down on myself, he's like, hey, keep going. You're invited. And that's really important. That's more than a lot of people get. Um, So, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to have people slap you in the face and be like, you got this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, so
2: we've been looking forward to this interview a minute uh, because I I had talked to you pretty much like the day you uh, you or were officially all elite you got the true. graphic on tv um and one of the things you had said to me was uh yeah we'll get that going uh, after i get back from japan and i wanted <laughs> to uh, mm. and uh so i kind of want to bring that around now and talk about how was that experience
3: it was awesome you know i think um it was very surreal the entire time And I think that's a really like big theme throughout my entire year is just like all of the great things that have been happening. It just feels so surreal. And it's not until after I've lived through those experiences that I get to settle in and be like, wow, that really happened. Um, So everyone, all of the like TJPW uh, wrestlers were so kind to me. They were so sweet. Even if there was like the language barrier, you can see that there was effort for them to make me feel comfortable. to make sure i was clued in on what was happening um i'm a vegetarian so like eating in japan was pretty difficult uh especially when i have oh. to like, pull up my phone and google translate all the like packaging on everything so oh, no. whenever we'd go out to eat they would like <laughs> hardcore be like uh no fish in soup like make sure <laughs> everything for me they're like is this okay or no so mm. uh I, that was that was so sweet um the wrestling was a lot of fun. Um, And all of those like adventures that I had gone on by myself, because I was there for 10 days and I only wrestled three out of those 10 days. So I had a lot of time to just kind of like explore uh, with myself or with the other girls, but even navigating a foreign city by myself, like the subway was really easy to use. Um, Everything was really clean and like beautiful, like at every single turn. Uh, So it was Oh, really awesome just like experience to be able to do that
4: i did oh. not know you were a vegetarian so like i was like oh man she's getting to do the ribera steakhouse experience and i was like oh wait, oh. you didn't get any steak
3: <laughs> yeah. i had um i had made a post when i posted uh about like getting the jacket or whatever and my comment on it was like man people don't talk about how good the corn soup is <laughs> because i was like that's all i ate i ate corn soup i had a beer and i had some salad but like i had to go it's a right Right. passage like i had to make sure i stopped so (laughs) so uh big disappointment to everybody i did not actually have the steak um but the corn soup was really good
2: (laughs) well on the wrestling side of things while you were there you um you had to really have the, the Tokyo Joshi pro experience, right? You got to team with Yuka Sakazaki, um, yes. you got to face off with, uh, Maki Ito. How was, uh, just overall the wrestling experience, uh, in Japan for you?
3: Um, I think it is a lot, uh, I don't want to say easier, but you know, when you walk into a company where I'm already used to being like strong powerhouse woman and I walk into a company where for the most part, the competitors are a lot smaller. It's just a lot easier to be like, I'm going to toss everybody. around." (laughs) Uh, You know, I was still working hard. Like, that's not to say I I just showed up. I was like, ah, piece of cake. But, um, it was, uh, it definitely made that part of it, the whole like brick house, strong style, like kind of stuff a lot, a lot more fun. Uh, so I, I had a great time and, uh, sakazaki i saw in person for the first time at like king of trios a couple of years ago and i remember that trios that she was a part of i was just like floored by it was the tjpw trio i was floored by how like awesome they were so to be able to work with her i was like it's gonna be cool
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's lovely so cool so um you talked about being on the independence. You had a lot of great ind- like going through your cage match. Like Just recently, you wrestled Masha Slamovich. We wrestled Trish on uh, this recent ROH final battle. I want to get into that, actually. Yeah. This was a very, very big show. A lot of great things came out of this show. We saw a lot of great matches. But off the bat, you and Trish locked it up people were online already saying like this is the match of the night when you guys had it how was it because this isn't the first time you've been in the ring with trish isn't the first time you guys have done things how was it to get to have that moment with trish and how was the crowd there in texas for the roh show yeah they
3: were they were awesome um when i found out that trish is who i would be wrestling i was over the moon right because um as much as I care about putting on good matches and uh, all that jazz, whenever I have opportunities like this, if I see someone like Trish, I'm like, I want her to have a really good match too. Like I want her to look awesome. Um, So I was like, great. This is, this is good for both of us. Um, (laughs) That is what we call a good piece of business. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I was super excited. Um, And she was someone who, when I was in like the uh, older regime of Ring of Honor, um, I got to work with and I would see her every taping. And, it's you know, it's good to see those faces that you've seen for years, seen come up with you um, and not just see them, but like respect them, appreciate them and are friendly with. It's nice to see them also get those opportunities. So it kind of hit my heart in a special place. Or a few different special places, So I was like, okay, we'll have a good match, but also like, go Trish, <laughs> and yeah. the crowd was awesome. So that just helped make it was like a nice ribbon uh, to wrap it up and like pretty little bow on top of the whole thing.
4: Yeah, yeah, sign I, Trish Adora, please. People yeah, are watching that, this, and, and, yeah. and you're yeah. you're not aware. Sign Trish Adora.
2: Sign her yes. now. Yeah. You know, you guys, you guys got about six minutes out there, but I felt like this was one of those times where you guys... Uh, I tweeted it during the match. I said that they are making the minutes matter here, that it just felt like every single piece of the match uh, was important. It felt like it just mattered. It was, uh, as they call it, a sprint, but it uh, you guys basically just laid it all out there.
3: <laughs> yeah, we tried. You know, I think... Um, you know, we're put on the pre-show, so there's not really, like... You want to wow people. You want to get their attention. You want them to have fun. But you also... uh, I know there's like a dog collar match. Like a double dog (laughs) collar match. That's like the finale in a trios of amazing matches. I know that there's like legends. We've got Chris Jericho um, and Claudio ending the show. We have Mercedes and Athena, which Mm -hmm. was absolutely... I I enjoyed watching that match so much. That was awesome. You know... um, You want to show what you can do, but you also have to understand, like, the crowd has a lot of awesome wrestling to sit through. So we uh, made the best of our time. We didn't get too wacky bananas crazy out there, um, but we showed our capabilities, and uh, hopefully everybody had fun.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things I want to talk to you about has been the AEW audience, um, and that uh, I I think you can pretty safely say that they've gravitated to you quite well. Um, You had a match recently against Anna Jay in Indianapolis, I want to say it was. Yes. Um, And they were behind you the entire way. Uh, It felt like through the entire match, those Let's Go Willow chance never really stopped. Um, But that seems to be a consistent theme. We had Red Velvet here on the show just a few months ago, (laughs) and we talked about uh, the origins of her heel turn. And... Uh, one of the pieces that was the origin of her heel turn was the fact that in a match with you, the crowd turned on her and were 100% behind Willow Nightingale. How's it been, kind of knowing that that kind of rabid AEW fan base, that kind of more hardcore fan base, has decided that this is our person. It's Willow Nightingale.
3: I I think it's very scary sometimes because like when that happened with Velvet. First, I felt kind of bad. I was like, oh, damn, I just ruined your whole situation. Well, <laughs> um, like, that was in Boston, and I wrestle in that area all the time for right. Beyond Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Also, I went to college right. in Boston, so um, it just kind of feels like a hometown away from home for me, and generally, the Northeast, I got so many reps in, all these different indie shows, so those crowds, I feel like, are already familiar with me, so I have a lot of confidence anytime I enter the ring there. But, like, let's say in Indianapolis, we're in in Texas this month. It's always a little bit of um, these butterflies where I'm like, I don't know if they're going to be with me. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the scary part of being the person who you want people to get behind. It's like, well, what happens if they don't? But (laughs) we're not going to focus on that. Not focusing on that. So far, everything has been really cool. People have been with me. um, And I'm appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. So... Thank you, everybody, for cheering me. <laughs> I will keep being me, and uh, hopefully you'll stick with me.
1: <laughs> Lovely. So cool. Uh, amazing. <laughs> so you're uh, you're here in AEW now. You're getting uh, some nice wins. We talked about the Anna Jay win. Talked about the Trisha Dora win. You have a couple of angles you could go here, I mm-hmm. think, from here on out. You've had a little bit of a, I want to say a rift, uh uh, uh something with jade cargill the t b s champion mm-hmm. um, there's been a couple of big matches with her, and then, like we just talked about, athena just defeated mercedes martinez in an amazing match you know you always could be a contender for the r o h women's world championship. What kind of aspirations do you have going forward here? Are you trying to go against athena with the r o h are you moving forward with them or are you possibly you know you're to o n two against jade third time's a charm though third and, then, a charm. <laughs> and yeah. then also uh there's jamie hater as well also yeah there's a couple of couple of different angles here
3: honestly uh i think i would really really love to be the first woman in aw to hit all three of those goals mm-hmm. um so i I don't know that I have a specific direction in which one I want to go for first. You know, it's a little, uh, I don't want to say discouraging, but I have challenged for both the Ring of Honor Women's Championship and the TBS Championship twice at this point. Mm-hmm. And I have lost all of these times. Mm-hmm. So there's um, a reoccurring theme in my entire career of just kind of being like, okay, well, if you fall down, just get back up. If you fall down, just get back up. Um, But sometimes that means just going with the flow and not necessarily even putting my sights on anything because if I get married to one idea and it doesn't work out the way I expect it to, that just could mean more heartbreak. I just kind of have to like see the path unfold before me and just kind of do my best at whatever that is. You know, anytime I've tried to reach a specific goal and like had my eyes set on it, It hasn't worked out, but it happened eventually. Like every single goal I've set for myself, I have reached at some point, except for the championships. So that's what's next. (laughs) Which one? The universe knows. I don't.
2: (laughs) Well, so you talked about the, uh, kind of going back to the fans a little bit, um, you talked about. The kind of expectation, um, you know, how it can kind of be a little bit scary because all of a sudden, you know, you are the one that they love. You are the one that they want. Um, So right before this interview, about an hour ago, I tweeted out uh, questions for Willow Nightingale. And uh, there seems to be one kind of common question, the question I got the most. And that is something I'm sure you've thought about because everybody's thought about it. Everybody's asking, what at this stage, does a heel Willow Nightingale look like?
3: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, that is a great question. Um, I think probably something in the vein of a Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, okay. someone who's kind of like, just a mischievous little goofy <laughs> person. Um. But I do, uh, obviously, like, I'm a human being. I have a range of emotions aside from, like, happy and, like, goofy. Um, I do think there could be a side of me that's very much just kind of, like, kick-ass, more inspired by, like, uh, an awesome Kong or, like, a monster ripper. You know, again, huge Joshi Mark over here. Mm -hmm. So, like, Wonakano, Aja Kong, like, all these just, like, big badass women uh, who just kind of, like, rip people apart. (laughs) is another side of me that uh we could possibly see in the future uh but i don't know i don't know that's not my natural like um demeanor but there's a time and place for everything in this life
0: everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too
2: love it (laughs) honestly but like i I would even still love to see you still smiling through it just like (laughs) pissing people off killing the hell out of people but still smiling like that that to me
1: Look, I'm gonna keep it real with well, y'all. I, I can't see it. There's no Hill Willow. I Never look, wanna I want to see it. I want it. I want it to be like John that. Cena. It's like after 20 years, we're like, is she ever gonna go heal? Like Ricky Steamboat would be like, no, she's never gonna. No. Hill. she's babyface for her whole career. I just can't see it, Willow. I'm sorry, I just can't. That's no, Willow. I'm okay. not gonna. I'm not gonna be booing Willow. What are you guys talking? About? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> no,
4: no. Man, I have to say. Um, I was wondering what kind of music you want to go go with, because like Reg said, you know, Got To Be Real was your thing on indie. So um, I was pleasantly surprised when Ruckus knocked it out the park with your theme music. Um, How much influence did you have on that?
3: So Ruckus actually did not do my entrance music. Ah. Um, When I was a part of Ring of Honor last year, uh, they had asked me what I was interested in doing for entrance music. And I was like, you know, I really kind of am really into this, like, funky kind of beat. Mm -hmm. Something that's going to be really exciting for the crowd to hear. And they sent me maybe, like, 15 songs that they were like, which of these is your favorite? Which is closest to your vibe? Which is Willow Nightingale? And I listened to all of them. There were maybe, like, three that I was between that I was like, any of these three could do. And my boyfriend was like, I don't know, this one feels like a really fun one. For crowds, you know, like I think it has this nice little intro where there's like these little dips, and then there's this moment here where you're like, BAM! Uh, So that's how I ended up choosing that song. And when I started wrestling for AEW and they first gave me an entrance, they just played my old Ring of Honor music because by that point they had owned Ring of Honor. So Ruckus uh, doesn't even want to touch it from what I hear because he thinks it's so perfect. But it is um that is the story of my entrance music it is just Ooh. kind of something that was carried over from Ring of Honor
2: yeah I, I get so many like uh you know the the intro horns very much have like a like 70s Michael Jackson vibe mm. and then uh I don't know for whatever reason the main part of the melody uh, and this is probably just one of those things that only exists in my brain reminds me of the theme song. To the Arsenio Hall show. And You're not like... the
3: first person to say this. Somebody was legitimately like, Willow, your music is like you have a 90s talk show. And uh-huh. I was like, hey, it kind of does. Good. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's another idea. When, when is Willow going to get a talk show? <laughs> there
1: it is. Look, we, we're here now, so we need Willow's talk show.
2: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I love it. So, um, again... Uh AEW. You in Daily's Place, which, you know, is is such an important venue to the history of AEW, right? You know, that yeah. is uh where I think Yeah, there's no way that's not true. Uh, I was gonna say the majority of AEW shows have still taken place, uh as far as Having you know they had that home during the pandemic, yeah. Um, And so it's it's an important venue. A lot of important names in AEW's history made their debuts there. Jake Cargill made her debut there, Um, and there was Brody Lee, Matt Hardy, uh, a lot of names. Christian Cage uh, all came through and made their uh, more just coming to mind because Ricky Starks did too. But a lot of names that came through AEW. Um, got to make their mark in Daly's place. and you, in your return, in their return to Daly's place. The most recent time, um, that's where you got the All Allure graphic. Uh, you got to share that moment with Tony Shavani. Um, you mentioned you didn't even know that the graphic was on the screen.
3: So I obviously <laughs> I knew that uh, I had been signed at this point. I signed the contract that morning. I had, they had like emailed it to me and I was standing ringside when I like did the signature on my phone and all this stuff. So, um, it was really fresh and it was very like full circle for me because like I had mentioned Daily's places, the majority of the time I spent there, uh, in the crowd. Cause we had to do all, all the audience was like all the people who came in for, uh, extra work or even other people who were on the roster who just maybe weren't wrestling that day. We filled the crowd. We made all the noise and supported each other and were there for like hours at a time because we were there until like two, two in the morning, sometimes recording the show, recording the darks. uh, And we would do this every two weeks. So we're getting two weeks of content for four different shows. Or actually, I don't know if we had Rampage yet. So three different shows. um, And it's just going on. We're all screaming, trying. And like, it just felt like I'm putting in so much energy and so much effort. And again, is there the recognition there that I wanted? Like, is the payoff there? I don't know. But now, like a year later, a year and some change later, I've signed a contract, a full-time contract to the company that I want to work for um, in the building where I felt some of like my lowest feelings about myself and my career. And uh, it was just very full, full circle. And to have the crowd there like cheer for me and like also be super into it, it was just very overwhelming. And yes, I did not see it on the big screen. <laughs> I like never at one point turned around and was like, Wow, that's me. <laughs> it wasn't until I saw the picture online that I was like, they put it up that big, but I was just more so responding to all the people around me and like Tony Shavani, also a legend of the industry, right. just like putting it all out there so I was like overwhelmed with just like a flurry of different emotions at that point it was cool that was a really cool moment for me
2: yeah. that was really cool to see on TV I was really happy for you. <laughs> you know I I had no idea that it all came together that quickly as far mm-hmm. as just signing the contract that day because you had already had like AEW branded t-shirts and stuff already released at that point I think everybody was kind of under the theory that uh you were with the company at that point
3: um i had a like a paid per appearance kind of situation Mm -hmm. so um it it was i was still with them in some in a capacity right Mm -hmm. an official capacity even um but it was just not it to me it didn't really feel the same i wasn't on the roster page like i i don't think the fans really looked at me as a part of the team again, here and there, it depends who who you'd ask, but I felt, like, still a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, um, because even, even if I hadn't gotten, like, the, uh, all elite graphic, it just, like, it didn't feel like I was fully welcomed in yet, like, the women in the locker room are great and had been treating me kindly and everything, but there were just, I, I don't know, it was, It wasn't the whole thing. So Mm. when it all happened, I was like, ah, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We are just so lucky and blessed to have Willow Nightingale on our TV every Wednesday. I guess that's a thing uh, because you talked a lot about being on the Independence. How has the transition been to being on live TV, being uh, part of production and all these different things instead of just like in some vfw hall somewhere in you know louisiana or something like how's the transition been to becoming a tv wrestler as they say
3: um it's very weird uh because at the end of the day i like you know i'm still just me i'm still the person i always was and whenever i go to indie shows now i feel like there are people who i was consistently interacting with in terms of fans who still treat me exactly the same, but then I'll go to like a different city or something and people are like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. We know you from TV. And I'm like, (laughs) that's crazy that this isn't the first time ever you're seeing me, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, But uh, I really just enjoy the camaraderie of a locker room. Uh, You know, so like NYWC is where I learned how to wrestle. So that's home to me, Beyond Wrestling is a home to me. Um, so Shimmer Shimmer Wrestling is a home to me. So when I think of companies like that and I return there, there is um, this feeling of comfort that I get that I really don't think I could ever, I, at this point in my career anyway, I don't think I could ever see myself getting at TV mm-hmm. um, because they will always be the reminder of like, this is where I came from, this is home, this is where I started. And AEW is obviously a home to me now. Um, but I think the feelings are very different. It de- Like, this is my job, right? Mm-hmm. Like, AEW, I show up, and this is my job. Mm-hmm. I make professional wrestling television, and I am a professional wrestler, and I still get to do the thing that I love. Um, but there is, with these indie companies, it's just like, I'm for the most part, I'm doing it for the reason that I love it. That's why. Gotcha. I'm not doing it because I'm like, this is going to pay my bills and uh, keep my house over my, you know, the roof over my head. So there's a little bit of a difference in that sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers the question. It does. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. It does. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. that,
3: is, that is an observation that I've made, a reflection.
2: Mm-hmm. So earlier this year, sitting in that very bottom right corner of the screen, um, On this very show we had jade cargill here and one of the big pieces of information that she kind of broke to the world here with us was that she was training with brian danielson um and so along those same lines you know that aew locker room um is kind of that backstage environment is just full of so many um major names that uh have historically had a major impact on the professional wrestling industry and uh just women's division alone you guys uh, have madison rain back there you've got uh there's there's dustin of course there's kenny um who are some of your uh i guess some of the people you rely on behind the scenes that maybe people would be surprised to hear or not surprised
3: um so you mentioned dustin yes we do training <laughs> with dustin regularly uh dustin Rhodes is always there uh for us madison rains is a coach um in terms of like what we do in the ring, the way we present ourselves and even just kind of like helping with the camaraderie of the whole group, you know, which is very important and not to be overlooked. So those two, uh, like you said, kudos to them. Uh, but I think BJ Whitmer Mm. is somebody I work with a lot who, uh, I really appreciate his mind for wrestling. Um, and he really cares about watching the women's division blossom. So big shout out to BJ Whitmer um uh orange cassidy
1: mm.
3: as uh nonchalant as he may be about everything and passive he may seem um i uh have known him from independence as well so uh from time to time he'll he'll give me a one word eh, you know <laughs> you get the lazy thumbs up uh a good pat on the back but he is he's encouraging um, and I feel like there's probably so many other people who are not even coming to mind right now. Uh, but yeah, we've we've got a, a great group, and I'm I'm really fortunate to be working with some of the smartest people ever. Even, you know, like even having someone like William Regal come up after your match and give you advice, com- like completely on like I didn't even ask, and he would come up and give advices. Mind blowing. Uh, Jim Ross is someone who. Has a very different perspective on wrestling when you than when you talk about the coaches. Because he, again, he's viewing it from the commentary table. And the way he thinks about it is different in terms of your storytelling and things like that. So that's um a set of eyes that I think a lot of people overlook that like has years and years of experience. You could also kind of ask what his opinion is. Um so yeah, we're we're just really fortunate. <laughs>
2: I love it. that's um, again, it's it's just always amazing to hear um, certain names dropped as far as uh, who you find you can find influence anywhere in professional wrestling and behind the scenes and I always think that's really cool. Um, now being that there are so many of these legendary names behind the scenes and also just in that locker room in general, uh, the question that has to be asked, of course, is, uh, who along those lines, whether they're in that locker room or in other locker rooms or floating around in the atmosphere, uh, who are some of those names that you would eventually want to see yourself in the ring with?
3: Um, Tony Storm is a big one for me. mm mm-hmm. um, I would really love to wrestle Jamie Hayter again. Not just because she's champion, but because she's champion. I definitely think um, both Sasha and Bailey are two women who were helping revolutionize the business when I was coming up in the Indies and have been a major influence to me. So, as far-fetched as it sometimes seems, I will never take their names off of the table. Willow we'll um, and,
1: <laughs> and Mercedes is money, so much money. I'll give you all my money, <laughs> have my house, have my car, have it all. I just want it. Please, thank you. Glad it's uh, in the universe.
3: It would be cool. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, those those are what come to mind right now. Sheeta would be awesome, too. Um Everyone, I want to wrestle everyone, honestly. Mm-hmm. Whether that people be people who are, like, far more experienced than me uh, or, like, people I've been fan of for a really long time or even, like, the women on our roster who are less experienced, I uh, would love to help them realize their own strengths and give them confidence, you know? I want to be um, a consistent wrestler in uh, the quality of my matches, and I also want to be dependable and, like, help other people on our roster um yeah that's that's everyone give me everybody willow yeah, the world. yeah.
1: <laughs> please please book them all tony khan
3: yeah I know you're out
1: there listening
3: <laughs> i want to
1: go a uh, cliche for we're winding down towards the end of this so say this is the end of willow's career she's had a great long career championship she's won it all she's inspired the generation what would you like Willow Nightingale to represent in the end to professional wrestling?
3: Um, I guess at the end of the day, I want to be a symbol of hope. Um, I think I've talked a few times today about how there have been a lot of opportunities I've chased and haven't initially reached, but eventually did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would like to add that not only did I reach that, but I reached that without having to submit to whatever the status quo is. Yes, I've always been true to myself. I aim to always be true to myself. Um, And even if you don't feel like there's a space carved out for you, carve a space out for yourself. Good things happen when you look for them. If you're looking for bad things, it's a lot easier to find bad things, but if you look for good things, it's a lot easier to find them. Um, so that is the route that I hope um, I can make people realize is available to them. Keep pushing, keep fighting. This life is not easy. As I say, nothing matters, but keep smiling, right? At the end of the day, is as depressing as it is we're all gonna be dead this world is gonna burn the soul the sun is gonna explode eventually Mm -hmm. and really what will matter nothing but like if right now you are can find something to smile about or if you can set goals for yourself to eventually reach and feel proud of yourself and smile for then you're doing something right in this life yeah
2: <laughs> Amazing! That's great. Um, I guess, kind of uh, a bit of a winding down question. This one more, I think, falls along the the Philip Lindsay lines, but uh, I I want to ask it if if it's not going to be asked. Um, so, of course, this is a very different wrestling world than we've seen just a year ago. Everything looks a whole lot different right now than it did uh, at this time last year. Um, but one of the things that has kind of existed for quite some time has been uh, AEW having a bit of a uh, – there's, of course, a term for this – forbidden door. Okay. Uh, and being that there is uh, the, the forbidden door and all of a sudden now we've got um, New Japan Pro Wrestling now introducing the IWGP Women's Championship um, and things along those lines. Do you see – uh at any point is that one of your aspirations to maybe one day work uh say a tokyo dome or anything along those lines
3: absolutely uh,
4: <laughs> uh <laughs> joshi mark she sold you on this podcast yeah, I, 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 uh... <laughs> uh,
3: I, I i don't think i've ever hidden the fact that uh japan wrestling in japan was a goal of mine right obviously i said that a number of times on this podcast too um So working the biggest venue there would obviously be uh, on my list. Um, I know also Stardom is doing – they did a show in New York a couple months ago, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. right? So you're seeing uh, more opportunities pop up for people in the U.S. too to be wrestling over there, and hopefully more exchanges everywhere happening. Like, you never know where you can end up or what random one-off matches are happening nowadays. So I never want to put myself in a box and limit what I am uh, possibly able to do one day, right? I, when I started wrestling, somebody asked, uh, our, the trainer asked everyone in the entire class, what is your biggest goal in wrestling? And the trainer said, uh, his, name, his name was Blake Morris that day. That was our trainer. He said, for me my biggest goal was always to main event WrestleMania. And at that time, no women had wrestled, uh main evented WrestleMania, let alone black women, right? And when he said that, I was like, "Damn, you're right. I want to do that too." I said, "I want to main event WrestleMania." And there were definitely a few people who were like, "That's crazy. Why would mm-hmm. you even say that?"
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And in
3: the time I've been wrestling, it's happened. Yep so two
1: two black women have
3: exactly Mm -hmm. exactly so never limit what you think you can and can't do in this business don't Mm. put limitations on yourself if other people put limitations on you that's on them but it's up to you to say "Mm -mm, no i can make it happen that's what i've learned
4: (laughs) uh i i guess for me my kind of last question i have um sure because uh roh was kind of like the stepping stone for you to get noticed a lot, uh, at least coming out of last year. And I felt like one of the bad things about ROH, uh, kind of going under towards the end of last year is that you guys kind of got the rug pulled up out from under you. Um, especially with what Maria was doing with that division. And I thought you guys were building something really great there. You had a really good collection of talent with you and Trish and like Maxie and Payler and so many other mm-hmm. great names. Um, is there a little bit of unfinished business there where you feel like I do want to kind of go back there and kind of help to rebuild that division up?
3: Yeah, I do. Um, I always say um, I'm very happy that I worked at Ring of Honor the time that I did because uh, mainly because of Maria, because mm-hmm. of her vision of what the women's division could be. Um, and that was a very special time in my career where I felt like um, Things things were starting to click and come together for me personally. Like in my head, mm-hmm. um, it's where I gained a lot of confidence in myself of realizing that I am a TV like quality talent.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and uh, I think there were a lot of women that also got opportunities through there, or non-binary folk. You mentioned Max the Impaler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max was Max is a once in a lifetime kind of talent i think she's great uh if you look at their presentation and that is a hundred percent completely their brainchild right and that is something i've never seen like when you talk about monsters in wrestling like max is a monster Uh um and in this new iteration of ring of honor i would love to see a max max specifically come through Mm -hmm. but to um kind of break down the boxes between like Men's and women's wrestling as well, which again gets harder the higher up you go because so many different voices are involved in like what is acceptable and what's not acceptable in terms of intergender wrestling. Um, but I would love. I would love <laughs> like, that's, that's a big can of worms that is too big for me to discuss so so uh, in such a short amount of time. But um, I. I mentioned before when I said Willow versus the world, I love professional wrestling. I love performing professional wrestling. You know, like I I don't just love the business, I love doing it. Um, So if I have the opportunity to help other women gain that kind of confidence that I gained through my time in Ring of Honor, that would be so rewarding. You know,
2: we love it. Thank you, Willow, for being here. This, honestly, we've had a whole lot of interviews this year. um, And I just, and and i know it's partly because willow has just such an infectious sp- uh, spirit but what i was gonna say is this has easily been one of my favorite interviews this year oh so, thank uh, you so I, mm-hmm. <laughs> um so uh anything you want to let the world know willow before we go
3: um nothing matters keep smiling <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like
1: the dieses and Merrill thing at the end.
3: Huh?
1: <laughs> Where could they find you on the uh, social medias if they need to? Uh,
3: uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Willow Wrestles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also yep. on TikTok, but not really. Like, I never use it <laughs> to post. I just kind of consume other people's content and get stuck in like wormholes of two hours that I'll never get back just scrolling, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, have
2: you ever come across those TikToks where they're like, uh, it'll say, hey, you, do you remember what you saw three scrolls ago? And I'm like, no. And <laughs> it just makes you feel like I have been in this wormhole way too long. Awful. Yeah,
3: I actually haven't come across those posts, but thinking about it right now, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Right. <laughs> I, my memory is not amazing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, seriously, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for being a part of another Grapp City interview. For Righteous Reg, Philip Lindsay, I'm Will Washington. This has been our guest, Willow Nightingale. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Peace.